boring articles pitched to junk websites in tragic emails with lame follow-up to get spammy links leads to Shattered Dreams Parkway. That's why most guest posting doesn't work. So thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja, which is a digital marketing agency. We help our clients get more leads and sales from their websites. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about guest posting. It's an SEO strategy that is as old as the hills. Some say you shouldn't do it. Some say you should. I'm happy to admit that it's a part of our strategy on most of our most successful client campaigns here at Exposure Ninja. But for the vast majority of people, guest posting doesn't work. So in today's episode, we're going to be going through a process that you can follow to use guest posting to make it actually work for your business. Let's do it. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Okay, so if you don't know about guest posting, it's basically writing for other websites. And it's actually a pretty good idea, particularly if your business likes rankings, credibility or money. Now, most people do it for SEO benefit or about half of the people that do it based on a recent poll do it for SEO benefit, i.e. they're writing for other websites in order to get links to their website. But plenty of people do guest posting for no SEO benefit just as a way of getting in front of their target audience because getting your content published on websites that your target audience reads can be a great way to impress them with your wit and intelligence. <laughs> and if you play your cards right, of course, you will get a quality website link that can help with your SEO too. But when most people try guest posting, they sort of poke at it with a stick for 10 minutes, get nowhere, give up and go and scroll TikTok instead. Not you, not today. We're going to go through a guest posting formula that you can use to get featured. This is based on the process that we use at Exposure Ninja. We've done this for clients all around the world. And by the way, if you're wondering, yeah, but Tim, does guest posting really still work for SEO? Well, stick around to the end for my answer. Okay, so what's the process? Well, we start off with ideation. Now, ideation basically means thinking, but marketing agencies don't like charging you for thinking, so they call it ideation. Ideation is coming up with an idea, an angle or a story for your guest post. It's no good just reaching out to other websites and say, hey, can I just write for your website? Can you just give me some exposure? There has to be something about the thing that you're pitching, which is really appealing. So what we want to do is imagine your perfect customer scrolling on their phone, right? Whether they're scrolling on Facebook or their Google app or whatever, they're scrolling through different articles. What's going to make them stop and read? Because even if you manage to get featured on another website, if people don't actually want to read the stuff that you're putting together, it's going to be kind of pointless anyway. So you want to create an angle or an idea for your guest post that's really going to stop people in their tracks. Let's do an example because there's some software that can help you with this and can help you come up with different topics and ideas. So we're going to make a fictional company today. You know I do love a fictional company. Let's say that your company sells a device that automatically waters plants when they need it. I've made this example up because I'm looking at a very, very sad rose plant. Actually, Exposure Ninja bought me this rose plant uh, for my birthday, um, but the, uh, the courier hid it in a box sideways uh, and I was away for a week, so this rose plant is struggling. Anyway, so I've just invented this amazing way of keeping plants watered and it's a smart thing so you can use your phone to do it or whatever. That's the company. And, and let's say that we've built this product and we want to start getting some visibility. So we're going to do some guest posting. So how might we find a good guest posting topic? Well, like I said, there's some tools that help you do this. The first tool we're going to talk about today is called explodingtopics.com, explodingtopics.com. And this basically allows you to see, it's a bit like Google Trends in that it allows you to see the popularity of different searches and of different topics. 
but it also tells you whether they're, whether they're growing, uh, whether they've already peaked or whether they're shrinking. So this is a good thing to do because you typically want to uh, be in front of a parade where the popularity is growing. So for my, uh, my plant watering device, what I might do is go on exploding topics and search for something like houseplants, okay? If I search for houseplants, it's going to give me an indication of how popular this search is, how many searches per month it's getting, and what the growth is like and whether it's peaked or not. Now, if I see that my my um, my topic is trending down or it's pretty flat or there's not too much um, not too much search volume, I might either go more niche so to see if I can find something that's got a bit more traction, or I might go even broader, or I might look for related topics. So that's explodingtopics.com, good way of finding different ideas. Another tool that you'll hear us talking a lot about in Exposure Ninja videos and podcasts, and by the way, you can watch a video version of this podcast, if you like, on the Exposure Ninja channel. But another tool that you'll hear us talk about a lot is answerthepublic.com. So answerthepublic.com allows you to see all the questions that people are asking on Google. So if I go onto Answer the Public and I put houseplants in, I'm then gonna see all the questions that people are asking about houseplants. Things like, uh, can houseplants cause allergies? Can houseplants live forever? Can houseplants live without sunlight? Can houseplants cause flies? Can houseplants cause asthma? Now, what I'm getting from this is loads of different questions, things that people are interested in about houseplants. Now, if my watering device, for example, helps extend the life of houseplants, this search, can houseplants live forever, might be a topic that I might want to do some outreach on. Let's just think about whether a houseplant can live forever. Actually, can they live forever? Do houseplants have a finite lifespan? Because I can then tie my plant watering device into this topic, right? One of the ways to make sure that your houseplant lives as long as possible is to make sure that it's always adequately watered. And the best way to do this is to use either Common Sense or my magic super app connected to Wi-Fi. So you've got to think about how you can work your your business or your product or your service into these different topics that people are already interested in. This is very similar to how you'd be writing blog posts for your own website. Another tool that you can play with is Buzzsumo. Now Buzzsumo is a bit like a combination of both of these. So it shows you trending topics, but it also shows you which posts and articles have got the most traction in a particular space. So if I search, for example, houseplants in Buzzsumo, it's gonna show me which articles have had the most engagement on Facebook, which ones have been shared the most time, which ones have been tweeted the most times. So this can give me a bit of an insight into what people are really interested in. Now, if I search for something and I see that actually there's very little shares in this space, that might make me reconsider that topic because I know that I'm not going to get that social traction that I might really want. So you can research your core topic, in this case, houseplants, because houseplants is the thing that I'm helping, I'm working with. But you can also piggyback on other related topics. For example, I could do some research on um, topics like mental health, for example, which is getting loads and loads of coverage at the moment. Everyone's very tuned to mental health. And I could see if there are any angles about houseplants having an impact on mental health, for example, because that might get me more visibility um, in front of people that might not even think that they're interested in houseplant stuff, but actually, oh, actually, you know, well, if mental health uh, can be benefited by having lots of houseplants around, or let's say that um, people with particular respiratory conditions can be impacted by having houseplants, for example, then I can start to get in front of those audiences as well. People that are interested in those things who may not have considered houseplants may not have considered my ninja houseplant watering device. So if your audience is specialist, you might want to go much narrower, for example. So my houseplants thing, I'm searching houseplants, which is a very top level search. If I was targeting hardcore gardeners, I might want to go for like how to make your orchids re-bloom or something like that. So I might use slightly more technical language. I appreciate that's not particularly technical language. I might want to use slightly more technical language and a bit more specific topics. Okay, so once you've got your topic and you've got some ideas for topic, uh, next stage is publication research. Now we need somewhere to try and post our article. Now we haven't written anything, by the way. We write it only once we've got coverage secured. So we don't write it yet, but we want to secure some coverage for it and then we can write it once we know where it's going so we can tailor it. So we'll come back to that later. 
Now, how do we find good publications to get our article featured? Well, you can search Google. Google is your friend here because if you search, for example, let's say I wanted to get some coverage for my houseplant article, I might go onto Google and search for houseplant blogs. I'm then gonna get some blogs that are ranking for houseplants, so they clearly have a topical relevance. And also if they're ranking, they're typically reasonably authoritative as well. We want the stuff that's gonna rank on Google because if we want any SEO benefit from it, then it helps to have a high authority site. So that's one way you can search Google for these publications. Um, you can also search Google for things like houseplant magazines. So if you search Google for houseplant magazines, you'll tend to get sort of larger sites. So these might be, well, let's just search for houseplant magazines. So I'm gonna get stuff like uh, Gardener's World, now, Gardener's World, if you don't know it, it's a sort of gardening institution here in the UK. They've got TV shows, they've got magazines, they've got all this sorts of stuff. So it's going to be very high authority. It's going to be a really good site to get coverage in. Might also be tricky to get coverage in, but we'll talk about how to do some outreach in just a minute. Another way that you can find good publications to get featured in is to do some backlink analysis. So find a competitor and then have a look at their backlinks, see where they're getting links from. So for example, waterirrigation.co.uk might be a competitor of my fictional houseplant watering device. And if I do some of uh, some backlink analysis inside SEMrush, I can see all of the links that they are getting. Now I can have a look through these links and I can see what sort of publications I might want to get featured in based on their links. If they're linking to my competitors, there's a good chance they might link to me as long as I can come up with an angle that's interesting and do some good outreach. Now you might find some sites that look kind of junky. You think, well, should I really be getting a link from this? Is anyone actually looking at this website? Well, how do you tell if they're any good? Think like Google. You don't want to publish your content on a website that won't rank. You don't want to publish your, your content on some junk website that's going to have no benefit and doesn't actually get read by anyone. This isn't the sort of vibe that we want to portray to Google. So a few little checks that you can run. Firstly, is the site mobile friendly? If it's not mobile friendly in 2022, they need to have a serious word with themselves. Secondly, is it secure? HTTPS. If you haven't got HTTPS, if you're not using, then, you know, again, have a word with yourself. Uh, thirdly, is the core subject matter a pretty close match for what you're posting about? So if I'm posting about houseplants and I've found a site which just posts articles about any possible topic, they've got automotive, they've got medical, who is actually going to read on a website that just posts anything about every single topic? When's the last time you went on a site that had just random categorization? Never, right? So avoid it. Uh, do they have a good backlink profile themselves? Do they have good quality links or is it junk? Um, do they have a good domain authority? And you can use the Moz tool to check your domain authority. So you can check domain authority um, on Moz. If you just go to moz.com, you can use their link explorer. Or you can also check the spam score, um, which is another Moz tool. And generally, we say you're aiming for under 10% spam score to stay on the right side of that line. So you're doing your publication research, you're identifying all the publications that you might want to get featured in. How many publications do you need? Tim, I've got three. Do I stop there? No, you do not stop there. Do Messi and Ronaldo score with every shot they take? They do not. You're going to need to take a lot of shots on goal. So we're going to need plenty of publications. Now, as a rule, our team tends to find 20 decent publications, which you want to outreach to in order to get one or two uh, pieces featured. So there is a high failure rate, but that's just the name of the game. You've got more determination than your competitors, which is why you will win. So we're going to identify lots of publications and we're going to create a great pitch. So that is the next stage is coming up with your pitch. First thing that we want to do is find the publications editor or contact. What we don't want to do if possible is just go to the contact page and just fill in the contact form. What we really want to do is find the person on the site who writes about this topic. If we can't find that, 
we want to find the editor or we want to find some sort of contact details. Now you can use a site like hunter.io, which is a plugin which you can use to find uh, people's email addresses. But the best thing to do usually is just to find an article on that site from uh, it's about a similar topic, look at who's written it, click on their name. And if they've got an author page on that site, then it'll often have an email address. If they don't, go and find them on Twitter. Lots of these people have their email addresses in their Twitter bios because they actually want people to submit good ideas for articles. Okay, so now we need to think about our pitch. It's a good idea to write a personal message um, rather than just use some sort of blasting out automating thing. Um, I would personally write something like this. Hi, Tony, I'm loving your article about how to propagate orchids. Um, if they've written that article, by the way. Uh, a cutting from my mother-in-law's moth orchid is still going strong in my lounge 15 years later, whatever. That's called rapport building, my friends. Um, would your readers be interested in an article I've written? It's called the five most effective ways to rebloom orchids. I've tested a whole bunch of methods and found that these five things work the best. I'd love to send it over if you think it might suit plantmonthly.com. Thank you, Tim, plantwaterninja.com. So that pitch is short. It's to the point. It tries to build rapport, but it's not, you know, sickly sweet. I've been following you, Tony, since you were a wee lad. I'm so proud of your progress. And oh, you're writing for these amazing publications, which I always read and send to everyone I know. He's not going to buy that. So just be honest, um, but do try to build some report and then just get straight to the point and suggest the article. Now, we want to make sure that we're not being too pushy. We also want to make sure that we're not being so unpushy that they don't figure out that it is a pitch. Remember, these people are getting a lot of pitches, so you don't need to shy away from the fact. Once we've sent these emails to all of the people from our list in our publication research, we don't want to be waiting for their replies. Instead, we want to message all the other writers in the publications and then we need to do some follow-up. Follow-up is the key. Great books aren't written, they're rewritten. I should know the first version of our Google book was dreadful. Uh, we're on rewrite number six and I, I hear now that it's at least half 35% great. And um, by the way, you can get a free copy of how to get to the top of Google if you click the link in the podcast description. And just like great books aren't written, they're rewritten. Great guest post opportunities aren't pitched, they are repitched. You need to follow up when you do outreach. Journalists, writers, editors are super busy. They always seem to be battling a deadline. Now we will typically follow up two to three days after the first pitch replying to your first email. So they've got that as a reference point and they can see that you followed up. There's no real science to this. You're just nudging it up to the top of their inbox. Don't assume that the way you approached them first was wrong. They may have just ignored you because they were very busy that day and then it got buried by lots of other pitches. So I might just send a quick email, something like, hey, Tony, just a quick one. See if you're interested in this article. Thanks, Tim. Okay, simple. So re-pitching, following up is absolutely key. When I interviewed some of our CM ninjas for, uh, that's content marketing ninjas for a podcast episode a little while ago, I said, Sam, give it to me. How many articles would you get published if you didn't do the follow-up? She said, not very many. I can't remember her exact words, but it was along those lines. Now, before I give you my tips for actually writing the post, don't forget that if you want some free help with your digital marketing, the team here at Exposure Ninja has a completely free service, which we call the free website and digital marketing review. We call it that because it is exactly that. So with the free website and marketing review, all you need to do is go to exposureninja.com forward slash review. On that page, you'll see a big button. Click the button, you'll get a form. Now that form will ask you a few questions about your business, your goals, and your current digital marketing. When you submit that form, it'll go to one of our consultancy team. We will have a look at your website, we'll have a look at your competitors, and we will put together a prioritized action plan to help you get to your digital marketing goals over the next six to 12 months. We'll map out exactly what you need to focus on. This service is completely free and it is fantastic. So go to exposureninja.com forward slash review to request your free website and marketing review today. Okay, on to writing. How do we write our guest posts? 
When a publication says that they're interested in seeing the article, only now is it time to write because you want to write your content to match the style of that publication. And we want to write it like, not like you're the marketing manager of the business that you're working for. We want to write your content as if you're a journalist. That's right, you are now a journalist. Now, good journalists write to interest their audience. They write to create something that their audience will enjoy reading. They match the style of the publication that they're writing for. They use the right amount of technical language for the reader. When they mention a product, service, or business, they do so in a natural way that makes sense to the reader. They do not write a thinly disguised advertorial that is overly self-promotional and boring. Okay, that is not what they do. They write good, interesting articles. So back to my plant watering device guest post. I might write an article and I, of course I want to talk about my plant watering device, but I don't want to do so so that the entire article is destroyed because I can't stop mentioning this thing. I might just subtly mention it, but of course I will talk about it. So I might say something like, you know, one of the keys to keeping your orchid reblooming over and over is to make sure that it's adequately watered. Any serious houseplant owner knows the ice cube trick, leaving an ice cube or three to melt, gradually watering the orchid without soaking the roots, right? So I'm giving information there. But that's true, actually, by the way. But then I might say there are also a range of more technical solutions, including smart plant watering systems like Plant Water Ninja, wink, wink, allowing green-fingered geeks to control their plants' hydration using an app. So what I'm doing there is I'm just mentioning it casually as if it wasn't my product. I'm not saying, you know, everybody should get this thing because it's far superior to every other solution and you should go and buy this thing right now and you can go and buy it from this website right now and you should go there right now because they're giving 20% off. That, that's not how this thing works. That's not how this gig works. You're writing a, a, like a decent article. Pretend that you're a journalist, not the marketing manager for the business that you're working in. So I'm not writing a thinly disguised advertorial. I'm not banging on about my thing. I'm writing a great, useful post. Now, along with your article, you'll also want to include an author bio and your website link because they will link to you either from the bio and you can, of course, include links in the article copy itself. Not just to your website, you can include links to, your, to other sites. Uh, just be careful not to link to your competitors, of course, because you don't want to do that. Now, once your article is published, reach out to thank the editor or writer who's published it and let them know that you've also sent it out to your audience as well to get it some extra coverage. Nobody ever does this, so please do this. Okay, if you've enjoyed the podcast so far, please make sure that you subscribe on whatever you're listening to it on and also do leave us a review. We love reading the reviews. Don't forget that you can request your free website and marketing review from the team here at Exposure Ninja. Now, the final thing I wanted to touch on before we part ways today is does guest post outreach work for SEO? <laughs> Google's guidelines are pretty... I'm going to say pretty slightly clear here. If you're going to do guest posting, make sure that the links are no follow, right? So make sure that if you're linking to your website from a guest post, they want you to include the no follow attribute, which means that you're not going to be getting any link juice from that article. Even if you're not paying for the post, it's still technically promotion for your business. So you should be no following it. This is according to John Mueller from Google. Further, he says that Google is able to algorithmically detect guest posts and would most likely ignore them. Well, based on this, it sounds like guest post outreach for SEO is dead right? If you're supposed to no follow it, you get no link benefit. And if Google can probably detect it and most likely ignore it, well, it's not even going to get you any benefit anyway, right? Think about it. If Google could algorithmically detect guest post outreach, why would you need to no follow it? <laughs> it's one or the other, John, it's one or the other. This is like the police saying, don't steal from shops. We have sophisticated measures to catch you. But if you do steal from shop, 
just make sure to hand yourself in, right? It's one or the other. So this is potentially one of those gray areas in SEO where what Google says and what Google measures are quite different. The reality is that likely no one actually knows how good Google is at detecting guest posts because it's all built into highly complex machine learning algorithms that very few people, if anyone, actually have full visibility on. So if you find it to work, as many in SEO do, then go for it. It's highly unlikely to do you any harm. The worst that's going to happen is if Google is algorithmically detecting it, then it will most likely ignore it. But we find that it can work extremely effectively. Lots of marketers use guest posting, many of them as a way of getting links. Regardless, if you're targeting good quality websites and getting your content, your brand and you featured in front of other people, then the value extends way beyond links anyway. So hope you found this episode useful. If you've got any questions, if you've got any comments or feedback, then you can always reach us through the website, ExposureNinja.com. Until next week, see you soon.